Well, good morning. Yeah, the Lord led us to Kenya. It's funny sometimes how the Lord's leading is forcefully through war and things like that. But you know what? God is good. God knows what he's doing. And so, you know, we have been based. I, I'm, I'm going to, as, as I begin, I'm going to show a little video because I just want you to be able to see our life a little bit. Um, and um, I'm, I'm one of the pastors at an international church called New City Fellowship in Nairobi, Kenya. And, um, and so this video will show you a bit of our life. There's a lot of dancing and lots of things that go on. And so, anyways, I want to begin with that, and then I'll come back up. All right, well, that gives you a little bit of an overview of our life in Kenya. If you want to, like, ask questions and know more about everything you saw up there, you can come tonight from 5 to 7 at Pastor Keith's house. Because um, I really want to this morning, I want to get to the passage that, uh, that, we're, that we're looking at. So the first song in that video was a Swahili version of the Lord's Prayer. And um, I want us I to pay attention to a particular part of the Lord's Prayer. I hope you know the Lord's Prayer. I hope we haven't forgotten that that's a, been a part of church history f- since the beginning. But we, we say something in the Lord's Prayer. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayed that before, right? Do you mean it? Boy, we often pray and say a lot of things we don't necessarily mean. And I want to challenge whether we mean that section of that prayer this morning. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because that ultimately is what every, every goal of every church, of every missionary, of every individual Christian should ever be. That we want to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That is, you know, we ask about mission statements and goals and all of that kind of stuff. That is the goal. But maybe we've forgotten it sometimes. And so, in order to kind of flesh that out and what that really can look like, that's why I chose this passage this morning in Revelation chapter 5. Because here in Revelation chapter 5, we see this throne room of God. We see this worship of God going on. And the wonderful thing is, is the worship of God has been going on around the throne room of God for eternity past, and it will for eternity future. And here's a little side thing. This is extra for you. You know how repetitive worship is in heaven? Because sometimes I hear criticisms of modern worship that's so repetitive. You know how repetitive the worship is around God's throne room? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That has been spoken every second of every day of eternity past to eternity future. Boy, heaven's going to be boring, isn't it? That's just a side note for you in case you've had that criticism. Heaven's going to be kind of boring for you. But here we are. We're in this throne room of God. And I think in this, uh, there's three things I want us to see from this passage in Romans 5 that we see in heaven that we want to see on earth. And the first one is, is, is this, the object of, the, uh, of, of our message, the object of this worship is Jesus himself. Then I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? What is this scroll? It is, it is simply God's sovereign plan for the world. And, and, and it coming to fruition. And so the angel is asking, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scrolls? But no one 
in heaven and on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll. This is the hopelessness of the world apart from Jesus. Who is going to bring about the fruition of God's plan in the world? Who is going to bring about the transformation of this world? It's Jesus only. And so he's weeping. This is John writing this, but then, and, and he says, Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll. He is the one. Jesus is the one that is able to bring to fruition God's plan. Jesus is the centerpiece of the heavenly throne room. Jesus is our message. It is what it means to be Christian. We have turned it into politics and other things. But what it means to be Christian is a proclamation of Jesus. It's who we are. He is our message. Always has, always will be. So it's important to ask ourselves, in this world, who, what or who is our hope? Because we do a lot of things at church, in church that I think we lose sight. We run after politicians. We run after famous people. We run after programs. We run after a lot of things. But guess what? Jesus has always been the hope of the world, and he still is. And if we've lost sight of that, if we've lost sight of the fact that the object of our message is Jesus himself, then we've lost sight of what it really means to be God's church. So Heather teaches a class. She uh, has an opportunity. Um, you saw in, that, in, in the video that our church is quite diverse, 15, 16 or so different uh, uh, nationalities represented in our church. And, and the church was originally founded 20-some years ago uh, to reach into the, um, the Indian community in Kenya. Um, quite large Indian community in Kenya, 600,000 or so Indians there. And, um, and so our pastor, Joe, a Kenyan guy, planted the church again 20-some years ago to reach into that community. Um, so Heather has an opportunity uh, in that community, um, uh, in the Hindu community, uh, to teach English classes to women. And these are women that have come into uh, Nairobi, um, most of them by arranged marriage, and so they're there. They don't know anybody. They're kind of stuck in the house, lonely. Um, and, um, and yet their husbands are willing to let them learn English. They think it's a good thing. So Heather has an opportunity. She goes into these women's homes uh, and, and teaches English to them. In one particular, you know, after a period of time in one particular situation, uh, one of the women, um, you know, knowing that uh, Heather's religious, that's kind of how they would view it, um, had said, Heather, you know, I, I know you pray. Would you pray for me? I've been trying to have a child for years, and I can't. Would you pray for me? Because, uh, you know, Hindu people are extremely religious, extremely prayerful. Um, so, you know, they're very open uh, to, to prayer and us praying for them. So Heather said, I, I will do that, but you need to understand I'm going to pray to Jesus. And, and, and I will pray to Jesus for you about this. And so, uh, you know, sometime later, I don't exactly know the time frame, a month or so, you know, she came into class so excited. Heather, I need to tell you, your prayers worked. I'm pregnant. And, um, and actually this summer she had a chance to talk with her and she had the baby and things are good. And Heather was able to remind her, you know, it's because of Jesus. You see, in the, in the Hindu community, there's 3.2 million plus or minus or a few gods to pray to. 
And yet deep down in the heart of most of these Hindu folks, they realize they aren't listening real well. And so they have something inside them. They end up coming to Heather and I, and they ask us these questions. Would you, you, know, w- would you pray to your God for us? Who seems to listen more than ours do. And it's an opportunity to proclaim Jesus. It'd be really easy to say, oh, look at me. You know, I prayed for you, and now you're having a baby, and, and all of that kind of stuff. Let's just be honest about ministry. It's easy to make it about ourselves sometimes, isn't it? But the reality is, if we want God's kingdom to come, then we will be proclaiming Jesus, and we can't lose sight of that. I mean, the programs we have in church, a lot of them are wonderful. They really are. I mean, and I think more churches should probably have AA programs, meeting in the church, and, and, and all, I mean, all of this kind of stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. But the reality is, if we do all of that, and we neglect the message of Jesus himself, that he is God, that he is real, that he is alive and active, and he is still the hope of the world. If we've lost sight of that, then we're not going to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Now, secondly, as I said at first, the object of our message in Jesus, the subject of our message is his crucifixion and resurrection. See, it keeps going here. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. You understand that, in, 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 in again, in this eternal worship of God, they, they don't clean Jesus up. Here's a lamb looking as if he's been slain, a reminder of the eternal message of the hope of the world. That Jesus died brutally for you and me because that's what our sins deserved. And yet he took it in our place. And yet he did rise again. And in that we have hope. Here is this lamb looking as if he had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures. He is the object of our worship, and the fact that he was crucified, that is the subject of our message. The message about Jesus is that his death brought us life. It is this crucified lamb that is able to open the scroll. And that's the unique message of Christianity. One of my good friends, uh, he was up on the screen a couple times, uh, is a guy named Naveen, again, raised in a Hindu background. Um, but his life wasn't working. It just wasn't working. I mean, he had been, he's, he's, he's married but, and had his own business, but all of those were really falling apart, struggling deeply with depression. Um, he had been coming to the church with his, with his wife, but, you know, again, not a lot clicking. And, and you know what? He was at such a place in his life where he was desperate enough to realize this message of death and resurrection sounds good to me. You see, for a lot of us, and especially us as Americans, our life is quite comfortable. And because our life is so comfortable, when God comes with this message of, I can give you new life, we say, uh... Maybe I don't want new life. Maybe I don't want that. I like my life. I'm doing fine. My kids are fine. Money's fine. The house is fine. Vacations are fine. I don't want God messing that up. But you see, Naveen wasn't in that place. His life was in rough shape. And so he hears this message of Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That sounds awesome. 
I want to be crucified with Christ. There was nothing in Naveen's life that was making him hold on to his past. And so, about a year or so ago, Naveen gave his life to Christ. And everything became perfect. No, we know that's not true. Still got a lot of things he's struggling through. But he's struggling through it with Christ. Struggling through it knowing and more and more how the death of Christ, that message of the gospel and the new life in Christ is his. Again, if we want God's kingdom to come, then we're not going to shy away from the lamb who was slain. I mean, modern Christianity, and you know, you just listen to Christian radio, it's positive and encouraging. I mean, we should be positive and encouraging. We have Christ. But I'm not always sure that's exactly what it means when they're saying that. Like, listen, we, you know, let's make sure that we never say something that's difficult to hear because people will get upset. But the last time I checked, crucifixion was difficult. But that's what Christ is calling us to, to be crucified with him. That is the subject of our message. Lastly is this. So we have the object of our message is Jesus. The subject is his crucifixion. Lastly, the audience of our message, all people. What's it go on to say? They're they're showing this throne room and and the elders kneeling before the slain lamb. And it says, verse 9, they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe, language, people, and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. This good news, the gospel, if this good news doesn't cross all boundaries, if we aren't willing to take it across all boundaries, then we have to question whether we know the gospel at all. I'm talking racial boundaries. I'm talking political boundaries. I'm talking sexual orientation boundaries. I'm talking socioeconomic boundaries. If we aren't willing to take the gospel across any boundary, then I'm sorry, I don't think we know the gospel. Because the gospel is this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ himself was the only one that ever had a right to say, wait a minute, I'm too great. I'm too holy to condescend myself to be with those people. He's the only one that actually has the right to say that, and yet he didn't. While we were still sinners, he came for us. And if we aren't willing to do that across any boundary, then we can't claim to have the gospel. We might have religion, we might have churchy stuff that we like to do, but we don't have the gospel. Racism and prejudice and all of that in church is the polar opposite of what the gospel is. With your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. And Jesus modeled that. I mean, look at his life. He crossed boundaries. In those days, men and women, separate. But he crossed those boundaries. He crossed the boundaries to Samaritans, That was racial boundaries, heavy, heavy. I mean, that's, you know, you understand. Jews hated the Samaritans, these mixed breeds that were horrible. 
That's what they viewed him as. He reached into Gentiles' lives, people with sickness and disease that were shunned, demon-possessed people. Jesus crossed all these bounds. There's a reason he was labeled the things he was, friend of sinners, you know, all of these things. I mean, are we in any danger of being labeled those things? Is the American church in any danger of being called friends of sinners? We're called condemners of sinners very easily. We like to picket with the best of them. We like to protest with the best of them. How in the world is that helping God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? It's not. Listen, there's right and wrong. I'm not denying that. But again, if Jesus is our model, he had the right to walk around and condemn anybody. And yet he didn't. Isn't it amazing how sinners were attracted to him? It was the religious that weren't. So we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If that's the case, we will be proclaiming Jesus. We will be proclaiming his death and resurrection. And we will be proclaiming it to anybody. Anybody. There is no one who is beyond the grace of God. So who are we? To keep it from them. So you saw some of the uh, some of the pictures uh, on the video, especially the ones with a lot of dancing. Is this big room? So we rent we rent a school uh, to meet in our in our church, and that big room is kind of like the cafeteria. We do a lot of our a lot of our things there. Um, we have an outreach. It's an international festival every year where we just uh, each of the different cultures get together. They 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 have kind of a table, a booth set up, celebrating their 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 culture. Um, they make their, their cultures food, and there's some sort of entertainment and, and clothing and all of this from their culture. It's really a, a great time uh, to get together and celebrate our diversity, um, but then also really reach out uh, in, a, in a society. I mean, Kenya, Nairobi is as racially charged as we are here. People stick to themselves. This, our, our church is unique. You don't do that. You go to church with your own people. And so we have this outreach, and then we invite people, and we have testimonies of people coming and saying, so, how many churches, do, you know, is, is all of this? It's just one church. What are you talking about? These people don't go to church together. Indians don't go to church with, with Kenyans, and, 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 the, and the 46 different tribal groups in Kenya, they all kind of stick to their, themselves. And, and even in the Indian community, the different castes is part of the caste system. They kind of stick. Why are they all coming together? That doesn't make sense. Because that's God's kingdom. That's God's kingdom. Do we want God's kingdom to come? Our gospel must cross boundaries. So, as there should be with any uh, with any message, take the model of uh, of, of of Peter as he is uh, as he's finishing up at Pentecost. What was the response of the people after Pentecost? Their response was, "What must we do?" If we aren't preaching with that goal in mind to bring people to a place where they should be asking themselves a question, what must we do? Then I don't know why we're preaching. What must we do in response to this truth? 
Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, let me, uh, let me ask you this. Um, so in Matthew chapter 8, there's this uh, story when Jesus uh, cast out the demons into the pigs and they ran off into the lake and drowned. And uh, in response to that, the people from the town come out. And they look around and they see this man set free and they say, ah, praise God, we love it. Well, let's open a church. No, they didn't respond that way. What was their response? It says they begged Jesus to leave their region. Because what they did look around and see was Jesus showing up into our community costs something. And we don't want to pay it. Our pigs are all dead. No, we don't want this. And they begged Jesus to leave. In honesty, there have been times in ministry where I have, even if I haven't done it out loud, I have thought it. Jesus, come on. When you show up, you just make things uncomfortable. When God's kingdom comes, it calls for great sacrifice. And I do believe that that's why many churches don't see God's kingdom come. We don't want to pay it. I'm not just talking money here. Good grief, it's easy to throw money to some mission in Africa. It's easy to do that. That's the simple stuff. But let me ask you, what are you willing to pay to see God's kingdom come? I'm not talking about earning God's love. You know that. That's not the gospel. But there's sacrifice in seeing God's kingdom come. Sacrifice, yeah, it could be finances. I guarantee you it's going to be your time. Could be your reputation. Are you willing to be labeled as a friend of sinners? Are you willing to be labeled as one of those Christians? And most of those labels are going to come from other Christians. Are you willing for that cost? Are you willing to pay? I pray. I pray for us. I pray for all of us. And as I have a chance to tour around America, I pray for the church in America that we genuinely, truly believe when we pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in, as it is in heaven. I pray for us that we genuinely mean it. That we want to proclaim Jesus. That we want to proclaim his gospel of him crucified. And we want to do it to anybody. We want to go across boundaries, across borders. We want to be willing to pay that price. I pray that for you. We're all called to be missionaries, not just people going to Kenya. All of us. Can I pray for us? Lord, I thank you that your love is great. Lord, I thank you that you, while we were sinners, came for us. I pray that you welcome us with open arms, even though we may be dirty in our prodigal ways, you still welcome us back. I thank you for that. God, your love is so amazing. It does appear to us in the world as reckless. But it's this amazing love. And I pray, Lord, like the Apostle Paul, as he says in 2 Corinthians 5, that that love would compel us to go where we need to go, to pay whatever price we need to pay, not because of guilt, shame, and religious duty. It's a waste of time. But because of your very love, 
this overwhelming love and grace that we know and that compels us to go anywhere with any cost. I pray that you would reveal that, show that, and give us your grace to do that in Jesus' name. Amen.